Hi there, everyone. How are you guys? I hope all of you are okay. It's a pleasure to be live once again here in my Reality Check Leadership. Today I have two amazing guests that I will bring on board right away. So let me introduce you to my incredible guests of today, GJ from the Netherlands and Francisco directly from Barcelona. How are you guys? I'm very well, thank you. Cool, great. It's it's a pleasure and it's it's great to have you here. Um, I'm hearing a bit of echo once again here in my chat leadership. Trying to see what's happening, but I'm hearing a bit of echo. Yes, I'm. I'm I was. I think I was also watching at LinkedIn. So uh, <laughs> ah. <laughs> I really enjoy looking at us. This is a man who, who who is not content with watching himself on the recording screen. He also wants to watch the live at the same time. Exactly. But how, do I, how do I look? Am I coming across well? <laughs> That's why I was I was thinking, is it me? Is it is, is it my echo or not? It's cool. I'm, I'm glad it's sorted out. Guys, thank you so much. We have already people um you know saying hello hello to andrea he's just sending a, a wave saying hello to everyone so let's start this conversation about um, leadership but mostly about storytelling which is something that i'm quite sure you guys you guys are fond of and you guys like um but the first things first i would like you to introduce a bit yourselves talk a little bit about you but in order to do it i'm going to challenge you uh, to tell a story so we're going to use here a really cool thing called, uh, let me see if I can share my screen. This one, yeah, let me see. I'm going to share my more than one story. Here we go. So this is, this is a slide deck. I'm going to ask you to say a number from 11 to 60. And then we're going to have from 11 to 60, we're going to have a card. That card has the beginning of a story uh, and you'll have to Tell us a bit about you through that story. GJ, let's start with you, guy. Tell me a number from, from 11 to 60. 32. 32. It's okay. So let's see 32, where we are. Okay. Tell about a place that makes you feel good. Um, home is a, is a place that makes me feel good, but Amsterdam is also a place that makes me feel good. Well, I was born in 1957, um, um, and I was a pretty small boy when I uh, when I well, I popped on the on, on Earth. And my parents were really happy with me, and um, um, I had a fairly happy youth. I went to school as a as a sometimes a pain in the ass, but in in general uh, <laughs> um, um, a normal guy with some friends. And I had a lot of sisters. I still do have a lot of sisters. I have four. Okay. Oh. And I, and I, um, uh, I really missed having a brother. Um, and by the time I had one, I was 14. And I was too old, or he was too young for me to play with him. Um, um, but e eventually he came. He, um, mm -hmm. um, but there's, there's, there's a big gap between us. There's, like he has a completely different life from the life that I have lived. Um, I, I went through the struggles my parents had when my dad started his company and, um, um, and, and, the, and, and the building up of the country that was right after, well, like 12 years after the war, the, the Second World War. Mm -hmm. So we were lived in, in some poverty. Um, not that I remember much of it, but still, um, 
it's something that it's 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 a different life than what my brother had, and um, right. Uh, but I I still do have happy memories about it, because um, there was love and there was care and there was uh, hard work. So how many are you? There were six. My, that's a big family. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Yeah, we're Catholics. We are we are four at home, or we were four at home. Uh, uh, me and my my two two sisters and one brother, and uh -huh. it was already a lot of everything. You know, it was already yes. a lot of everything. <laughs> With six, yes. it's 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 another story, but cool. So uh, Amsterdam, a place that that's Amsterdam is a place that makes me good memories. Yes, I, I I was born there, and it's like um, well, I, I've been living in Haarlem now for the last thirty years. Mm -hmm. Every time I went back to Amsterdam, which is only 15 minutes away with the train, I had the feeling I was going home. Now it's like, well, that, that feeling has gone. Now it's like when I come home to Haarlem, it's like going home. But Amsterdam has been in my heart um, and soul for many, many years, even while I didn't live there anymore. Cool. Thank you so much for, for, for having shared this. Francisco, let's go to you. So a number from uh, 16 to uh, 60. Let's go. 24. 24, 24. Ooh, tell about something you look forward to. Something that you look forward to. I'm a very strange person. I'm a very strange person in that I don't I don't look forward to things often oh, yeah. because I find that there's so many interesting things there's so many interesting things happening every moment of your day that mm -hmm. looking forward to something tomorrow is is putting off the enjoyment of you know this conversation the glass of wine i have next to me um and this drives my wife mad because she she you know we back in the days when we used to travel a lot and we would go on holiday every few weeks uh or not go on holiday but travel on the weekends in europe easy jet right and air just get on a flight and go and she was like i'm so excited for this trip to whatever right are oh, we going right. to prague it's great and i'm like eh. you're not excited about it, it was like well, listen, um, you know, Game of Thrones is on. I'm pretty excited <laughs> about that. Uh, and it's like, but, but, you know, but this trip is like, this trip is two weeks away. Do you want me to not enjoy everything from now to then? Because, you know, there's other stuff you and I are going to do until then. It's like, ah, you're too boring. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so that's my, my approach. I try to look forward. You still to have a wife, sense. right? You still uh, have a wife. That's something. Well, you know, she, she, she realizes that it's very difficult to raise children without someone else and our family is right. all in brazil so it's either okay. me or she has to find another husband and with two children that's not going to yeah. be easy so she's stuck with me i guess <laughs> cool so so where were you born francisco uh so i i'm like jason born i'm like the crap jason born i have plenty of passports but no skills uh, <laughs> i was born in the us i was born in philadelphia but okay. i grew up in brazil and I travel around with an Italian passport. So <laughs> make of that what you will. Cool. So someone someone that uh, that was born in the Netherlands, Brazil, and myself, I was born in the north of Portugal in Vila Real, a small mountain city. 
but now I live I live in Lisbon with with the family. So I have hey Asger is is listening to us and he's hearing yeah. us. Well, Asger, great Hi, to see you. you guys. How are you? Asger, cool. Hello, Asger. Guys, thank you so much for that introduction and for telling us a little bit about you. So one of one of the things that I love I was sharing with you before we started is uh, topics about leadership. Mm -hmm. And uh, leadership is something that um, affects me and affects a lot of people every single day. And one and and, and uh, let's say the topic that I would like to address today is storytelling and leadership, because I do think that those things come hand in hand, and uh, storytelling is 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 a way. Let's say it's a tool that allows leaders to share and the message in a, in a, in a positive way, in a, in a better way. So the first question I'd like to challenge you to share a little bit or, or about uh, about about that is how is storytelling important in your lives? So why uh, you know let's start with you, Francisco, because your key topic on LinkedIn is story powers. How can stories affect everyone's lives? Tell us a bit about that. How did you get into that uh, you know positioning and, and, and that area of, of work and passion? As you can see, I'm I'm a big reader, so this is just a, this is this is a real books. This is not a fake Zoom uh, bookshelf. Uh, so I've always read. I've uh, been very passionate about stories uh, since since I was a kid. And about ten years ago, <clears throat> I started doing public speaking. So I was always mm -hmm. that weird kid that liked being front of the class and presenting. But right. ten years ago, I started doing that more, more, more systematically. And, and the one thing I, I realized after a while was that whenever there was a speech of mine that people loved and whenever there was a speech that people came to me afterwards or, or sometimes years later and said, oh, I remember that it was always the story about or the story about your ex-wife or the story about that rat or the story about Tuscany. Uh, and, and when I decided to, to pursue this, this, this career, the, the storytelling seemed one of the most obvious things to focus on. Uh, because again, it, it once I started paying attention, I realized that was something I had been doing and had been in love with for a very long time. So that was that was very that was very easy for me. And as far mm -hmm. as the whole story powers thing, I'm I'm, I'm a complete nerd. I, I like superheroes, so uh, I wanted to have something that that kind of had that feeling uh, of you know superpowers because I do believe storytelling is a superpower. I think that when when we realize that we are made of stories, our brain uh, works in stories, there, mm -hmm. there's a massive amount of power you gain both over your own life and also in getting your message across to people and, and inspiring them to action. Yeah, cool. Thank you. DJ, I've, I've seen one of, one of the videos that drove me to, I, I need to have DJ on my on my live was a video that you did, you know, a couple of weeks ago. I think uh, it was on your LinkedIn profile. It was in English. Yes. And you were you were talking about um, about the situation that, that we are at at the moment, right? Yeah, and, metaphorically. Uh, metaphorically. Yeah, yeah. Metaphorically, exactly. Yeah. And I was listening to it, and I, I couldn't, you know, turn off. Normally, you 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 start seeing a video, and I think your brain immediately says. Will I turn off? Will I not? Will I disconnect? Will I not disconnect? And every word you were saying were taking me somewhere. How did you, uh, you know, fell in love with this notion of sharing and communicating that way? Well, um, 
um, I, I, I too was um, uh, surprised by what happened to us last year with this pandemic. Um, right. And while I was preparing for for new adventures in another world, in a, in, a, in a world that I knew, um, mm -hmm. um, I had to lock myself up um, almost um, um, permanently um, um, just to stay safe. And I had to within my 42 square meters that I have here in my home. I had to think of new things to do to keep myself sane, uh, to keep um, uh, to prepare myself for a future to come. Um, and I had just um, finished an, um, an, uh, an education in uh, filmmaking, a, a, um, a camera journalism. Um, I was doing stand up. And I thought, well, maybe I can just, and I wanted, and I discovered LinkedIn as a platform um, that I yep. could use to expand my um, knowledge, my, um, <laughs> my, uh, uh, the people I knew wherever they were. Um, so everything combined, I once at one moment thought I have to um, um, do something it's just sitting here in my house is not gonna, is not gonna change anything. So I have to do something. Right. And this is what I can do without being at risk. So let's make funny movies and tell people, mm -hmm. help people using this platform. Well, it, I, I started like with my uh, with my uh, cell phone, just recorded it like that and, and posted mm -hmm. it. That was a really scary moment, I can tell you. Um, my first video, um, uh, no script, uh, just read it of all my thoughts and posted it. Nothing happened. Like, I mean, there was nobody that said, you really should stop doing this. I mean, this is people were actually saying that's a good tip. That's something I can I can I can use. Right. So I I kept doing that. Um and I was I was I, I just kept looking to the right form or formula um to be able to do this. And then I um uh, as a as a lover of stand-up comedy, I thought, well, maybe I should make myself a little theater and write something every week um, um, that I call over my shoulder, yeah. as a, as looking back at something and, um, and, um, um, and, and talk about it uh, in a funny way. And I have so many international friends here and people that I met, people that have helped me with content, with tips, with tricks, with, um, and Oscar is one of them, um, um, that I thought, well, I, I keep doing them for, for my fellow Dutch people, Mm -hmm. But I gotta do one in English, um, and um, well, that's the one you saw, and that's that's yeah, what it says international. <laughs> if you do things, you do things. Things start to happen, um, and that's what I tell people. If nothing will change, if you won't change, um, and I give this example, I started putting content online, and all of a sudden, people the I never thought of getting in touch with are coming to me, are reaching out to me, like you yeah. did. So um, yeah. uh, and, and that's what I do, and um, yeah, well, you you, uh, uh, it's a hell of a job writing every week something of two minutes, um, of and make it funny, and uh, and and film it, and edit it, and post it, because um, I, I I finished one today, um, and and okay. I'm, I posted at eight o'clock tomorrow morning because that's my standard time for this clip. Yeah, um, but it's it's a way to to communicate, to be funny as well as to give a message to people in a way that it will it will do something it will inspire them it will spark something at least that's what i hope um and so far so good
Exactly. I confess that I've I've had to translate a couple of posts because you also write the you know the yeah. small intros, but yeah. LinkedIn has the translate button. I was usually pressing the translate button to see what you were writing. And the translations are quite good, I can tell you. They are indeed. Yes, LinkedIn is very good at that. Yeah. yeah. I, in fact, I have a, I have something to to ask you, Francisco, because well, Brazilian living in Barcelona, so uh, and traveling a little bit around the world. Your platform, your platform of communication normally is, is English, right? I've seen, um, yes, I've seen English as the language. Yes. And I, the the first thing I was when I started to use LinkedIn, I started in Portuguese, and I clearly understood. I know I can make an impact in Portugal, but, but I I will get much more knowledge and and. and experiences if I make it international, right? Because mm. Portugal, it's a 10 million country. If if 2 million, if sorry, if 1 million uses LinkedIn, I would be already very, very surprised, probably not even half. But uh, um, does, does, does communicating in a different language, does it affect the way we tell our stories? Yeah, 100%. Uh, I, th I right. think the very first thing I would say is that I, had no desire to communicate and to, to write in Portuguese on, on LinkedIn because it's a stupid language. I mean, it has a million communications. <laughs> let me let me change I, here. I, I speak Portuguese. I can, I can say that. Um, it's, uh, it, it's, a, it's a silly language. It's, it has like so many conjugations for everything. Like all the objects have genders. It's, it's just nowhere near as easy as English. And, and to be honest, I have been out of Brazil for so long now that exactly. I've been speaking in English and thinking in English for, I think, the last 20 years. I speak to, right. my, to my kids in English, so there, is no, um, there, was, there was no question in my mind. But, but to your point, it, it makes a massive difference if you're not speaking in the right language. So maybe you don't, maybe you understand English okay, but you're not fluent in it. So whenever someone's trying to talk to you in English, that it just doesn't work that well. Like it, the, some of the message comes through, but not all of it. You're always, your brain right. is trying really hard to get it. Uh, and, and this is one of the ways I explain to people why they, stories are important because stories are, are the language of the brain. If you're communicating in facts and figures and you have all yeah. these PowerPoints and stuff, the brain yeah. is not wired for that. The, the brain is not wired for statements without context or for abstractions. The mm -hmm. brain is wired for stories. So it's no surprise that when you tell someone a story, they get your point, they pay more attention, and they remember. When you tell them an opinion, none of those things happen. So I, I think that... Right speaking at the right language and a language that that connects with people emotionally is is essential for good communication uh, and the same problems you come across when you go to a new country that you don't speak the language well every single person in business comes across when they keep trying to you know sound smart and and, and use corporate speak or all this uh, right. abstract stuff instead of using something that has thousands of years of of track records as mm -hmm. an effective communication tool. Mm -hmm. I just got a comment saying I was totally off in terms of LinkedIn users <laughs> in Portugal. Really? Oh. There are 3 million LinkedIn users in 2019. My God, 3 million. 
I'm, I'm really surprised with this number. Thanks, Andrea. Thanks for putting that out. People aged 25 to 34 were the largest user group, 2 million people. I am really surprised. Because, because Luis, because everybody in Portugal is looking for a job. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Not only in Portugal, I think everywhere. Now everyone is looking for a job. <laughs> I was... The, uh, I have a question about you. You stopped. You you ended up talking about you know the corporate language and how we communicate facts and figures. It, it it's normally it becomes really dull, right? It becomes here it comes. Here is the EBITDA number. Here is the revenue number, etc. What do you guys? What would be your advice slash proposition to uh, you know uh, a financial director or a CEO sharing information about the company in a more um, interesting way what what can they do <laughs> talk from the heart okay that's cool um, i have done many presentations the last uh, two or three years on uh, for people in uh, live audiences in uh, in, uh, in uh, large venues um mm -hmm. groups for 20 to 100 people on um uh, on networking and i can give them tips and tricks and um and on how to do it um and make an elevator pitch and um but then i said well, let's skip the elevator pitch and i actually i skipped my whole presentation i thought i told everybody i had this presentation prepared but i want to tell you a story today and i told them something about my ambition um, i must add to this one um stories are never about you they should always be at least in my opinion about the people you talk to you have to connect with them and you have to spark something in their head uh, inspire them, give them an idea. Um, mm -hmm. But I told them a story about, uh, because of course you tell stories about your own life, about something I had done as something I wanted. And what you see is people open up. They, instead of sitting there like, mm -hmm, they they get, obviously are touched by your your own opening up and they open up themselves. And all of a sudden, mm -hmm. If you give them after my after after the story I told, I said, well, you now tell a story to somebody else. And everybody started uh, moving and there's, there's, a, there's a completely different energy uh, in this group of right. people. And all of a sudden they left, they lost their shyness. They thought, well, if he can tell a story like that, then I can tell any story as well. And people are overcame their fear of talking to strangers. This is really wonderful. So talk think, from your heart. Yeah, but yeah, the, the issue with talking from your heart on a on a message which is so corporative, corporative, it's 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 difficult, right? How 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 to transform that from a maybe maybe talk about the purpose, right? And what what does the purpose mean? What those those numbers impact the purpose? What do you, yeah, think? But you can read all the numbers in any any report. I mean, if, if but if you if you if you know how to inspire your people, you can actually send them. If you want the numbers, here they are, printed, whatever. Okay. I can to you. But right. this is what we stand for. This is what we want to do. This is what, how we as as a company want to be. And this is the example that I give you. And this is the way um, I hope to inspire you. And um, anybody can talk numbers, but numbers are safe. Right. I, I guess that the, the numbers are important and, and data to, to in, in many scenarios is very important, but, but it doesn't mean anything without context. 
Mm -hmm. and, and the context is better described through examples or stories. And that, that's the most basic advice to anyone when you're trying to convince them to go from this type of typical corporate or fact-based, opinion-based communication to, to, to storytelling is give examples. You know, so, so you're saying, oh, the comp we are really struggling. Well, give an example of how the company is struggling. You know, talk about one employee, talk about yourself, talk about a customer. What is that one person struggling? And if you pick well, we all can relate to that example you've just given. So mm -hmm. talk about the numbers can be there and the numbers can give a dimension that perhaps you cannot give with the story. So, you know, it, it is very different to say the company has lost 10% of revenue or the company has lost 37% of revenue. And you're not going to fit that into the story necessarily, but what does that mean? How does that affect us? You know, get yep. it to a person, find a person being benefited or hurt by whatever you're talking about and share that. Because once you've done that, you've given it a human dimension. And now we can, we have someone to relate to. And then you back that up and you say, you give, this was one customer or one employee. And you say, you know, we have 20,000 employees and this is happening to all of them. So, so right. that's where the numbers come in. But, mm -hmm. but, you, but to give the human dimension that we need so we, we relate and care about what's going on, you need one person. And I assume that that can be applicable to anyone in the organization that is talking with anyone, right? Yes. Yeah. Th this is... Mm -hmm. This is always the case, right? So when you don't quite understand what someone tells you, you say, can you give me an example? Mm -hmm. so, so that's the difference. It's just you leading by with the example. You say, listen, we're having a lot of problem. Um, we're having a lot of problem with, between the sales and the marketing department. Just last week, this happened. And that's it. And you tell them. Right. And then I go, ah, that, no. that will that will stick in because it's an example, because it's a story, it's something yes. that they will relate to. Yes. It's not just a simple we lost 10 customers. Okay. <laughs> Why yeah. did we lost the 10 customers? What was what did we do and how did we do it? On this, we are in a very strange time. Of course, everyone talks about that, but you guys live um and you guys love uh, GJ, you do stand up and Francisco, you, do, you, you speak and you do tweet, you go to those events. Right now, you don't have that personal physical feedback, right? So you, you cannot be in a room, you cannot feel the energy. Yeah. People will not laugh at you directly. They, they, they are in a camera. How does this affect it? Or how, how do you think this will affect? Because this will mean we will continue in, the, in, this, in, this, in this way, right? In the next couple of months. But... Uh, how did th does this affect our ability to tell a story and to get impact of that? And what can well, we I, do to improve it? I'm 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 finding it. It starts to get difficult. I mean, I've been almost locked up now for of locked up, but isolated or at least ca careful for the last um, ten months since March last yeah. year. Um, like all of us, yeah. Yeah, I, I only see my girlfriend um, every every other weekend, um, um, uh, and that's it. That's and 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 the, and the, and I go to the supermarket every two days, so I um, I just walk up there and um, uh, do my shopping, say hi to everybody. I'm glad they still recognize me with my um, um, mask, uh, face mask on, 
Um, but I, I find it, I, I start finding it very difficult. Um, I do every once in a while or every six weeks, a Zoom um, uh, session with uh, people for the, the workshops that I give. But mm -hmm. still, they're all like in screens and uh, you can't actually touch them. You don't feel the energy. Um, um, so what I do at home is I, I, I exercise at home, I, um, um, which requires a lot of discipline, but still, um, uh, I'm finding it very difficult living right. in, uh, on the other hand, I'm also surprised that one can last so long this life already <laughs> without completely going crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. And you, Francisco, how do you feel that energy when you do a workshop or when you speak to a camera? Is this something that... I think, in a way, I, I agree. It's the, the, the energy is completely different. And, and this is something where I yeah. find that in, for speaking in particular, I don't have 10% of the pleasure that I used to have speaking. You know, to the camera is one thing, on stage is completely different. Also because when when I'm speaking to the camera, I'm doing what I'm doing right now, which is I'm looking at the camera, and I can just about see the two of you in the corner of my eye, um, because that makes it look like I'm looking at you and not the camera. But right. so essentially, I'm I'm giving a speech to 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 a little black dot on my computer. Like there's no, even if there was an audience that I could see, I'm looking at the camera for most of the time. I'm not looking at people's faces. So, mm -hmm. so I, I, I notice that a lot when it comes to speaking. For workshops, because it's a lot more interaction, I don't feel it's that much of an issue. And, mm -hmm. and I think it's a great thing that what has happened now has broken that idea that, that, that you wouldn't do these things online. I think not now right. it's opened the market for everyone. You can work everywhere in the world. Everybody realizes that a workshop at least of a certain du duration, it will be fine online. So uh, yeah. I think we need to realize that there's a lot of things, a lot of good things from a business point of view that can come out of, of this. Mm -hmm. But there's no question that if you're someone who, who particularly who relies on humor, as GJ does and, and, and I do normally, it, 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 that's a very different skill. Doing that without feedback, you need to be very confident on what your material is because yeah, right. you don't get immediate feedback. So I tell, I make a lot, a lot fewer jokes in when I'm speaking than I used to because I have no feedback. So if I'm bombing, yeah. I don't want to have a whole bunch of jokes that don't land and have no idea that that's happening. So yeah. you, need to, you need to be very aware of, of certain things. Um, but I think there's plenty of good things to get out of it. I don't want this to be the, the norm. I would like to go no, back no. to stages, but... Um, but I think we, from a business point of view, there's a lot of really good things we'll get out of, of, of this experience. True. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel the same. You know, I, I tend to be very physically you know, physical on the communication and doing. You know, I'm not saying jokes, but you know, making the environment feel uh, nice and pleasant for everyone. And I always feel in 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 in, in a Zoom or in a, in, a, in a Teams meeting, I really feel that that someone is you know suspicious of anything <laughs> you look into a, a you look into six faces that are looking at you and you're just what the hell are in your you know in your thoughts at the moment because i'm quite sure some of you are not even here and and although that can happen on a on a on a physical meeting you can touch it you can say hey tell me about that show me something yeah. stand up let's do something and that's 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 really 
yeah it's difficult but i understand it's the it's the new way we have to adapt cool so uh talking a bit about leadership guys and which is the the topic uh, my my passion topic leaders have to communicate a lot they have to communicate on a regular basis and do it and, and do it correctly um gj you said that people should communicate from the heart um, but there is a, a bunch of overload of information and requests that leaders have. There is a lot of, you know, you need to do this, you need to do that, you have to fulfill your budget, you need to have to, uh, you cannot lose employees. It's, it's, it's bombing of information. Yes. At the same time, they have a team to lead and they're bombing of information, they need to filter it. What, what, you know, what tips could you, would you do to maintain the sanity and to communicate always the message in a way that it will be understood and correctly understood when you are under such an amount of stress? Well, it, it, it takes a while, at least as my experience, it takes a while to build a good team. Um, mm -hmm. uh, um, you have to really be interested in people, um, uh, to get to know them and to know who your team is, uh, who they are and, 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 and what their funny and good sides or bad sides are. So that takes a while. You have to put in a lot of time and energy um, um, in order to get the team functioning well. Um, and then sooner or later, you find out, at, at least in my experience, what is really important. I mean, um, there is an you said it right. It's an overload on data and, and things you have to do. Um, but but you can really, at least that's the jobs that I had and the positions I had, you can really experiment. Um, what if mm -hmm. I stop doing something? What will really happen? And if, if, if something doesn't happen, if nobody is going to hold you accountable for something you haven't done, then obviously it wasn't really that important. If the, teals, right. the team still functions, and if you, if you um, I'm not the kind of team um, or, or manager or, or leader that is controlling everybody all the time. I mean, I have great faith in people. I, I hope I can help them um, to do what they are expected to do. That's my job. Um, and then, um, but you have to be really interested in who they are. Working with teams means that you have to care for people. So what you're saying is that if you are true and honest to what you're doing, you will find a way to connect. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. If you If you force it, it will not come out. It will never work. It will never work. At least not in my opinion. I have, I've been, I've been um, um, responsible for teams since, uh, well, many years ago. The first time I was responsible, I thought I had to tell people what to do. I mean, I was taught that way. I mean, that is what you have to do. If you don't do it, you're a bad employee or you don't meet your targets. And over the years, I realized that um, of course, people need to know what kind of company they work in, what, what, what they are supposed to do. But I'm not the one who is telling them how to do it. If they, if they, if they get the job done, um, I had people asking me, can I go for a cup of coffee? I said, who am I to decide that? I mean, if you find the time for drink coffee or have a lunch break or go home early, not my problem. It is my problem if everybody's gone. But I mean, all, we 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 had like all discussed that there had, there's always somebody available. I mean, you don't you don't leave um, right. you don't go all together uh, with the whole team. 
But I'm not going to make those small decisions. You have to trust people, give them faith, and help them to um, accomplish the task that they are supposed to do. Francisco, you, if, if, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. If you, have, if you have faith in them, and if you help them accomplish it, it will work out. But if you keep um, mm -hmm. being um, suspicious about their intentions and, and, and think that they are trying to screw you, they will eventually. Right. <laughs> Thanks, DJ. Francisco, what, one of the aspects that I've been touching and understanding, there is Brene Brown. She talks a lot about uh, vulnerability. Mm. And uh, if, if you as a leader, uh, you know, with this overload of stress that I was mentioning, if from time to time, you make it a bit more um, honest to your team and you say, look, guys, this has been, you know, a crazy, crazy time. And sorry if the messaging is not being correct. Uh, do you think that this vulnerability together with the story makes it much more compelling and, and, and relevant for someone or a team? There is no, there is no real genuine human connection without vulnerability because mm -hmm when you show yourself to be fallible when you talk about your mistakes when you talk about your your fears you are you are opening yourself up to other people and saying i'm i'm, I'm not perfect i make mistakes um, and i'm probably just like you and people relate right. to that if you if you're just a super competent guy and you're talking about your achievements one you come across as not very likable and two people but everyone has their own insecurities and they need to see yours so they can trust you a bit and if you if you're if you're a leader and this is i think it's important to clarify that there's one thing is being a manager the other one is being a leader like the, the person who's going to look right. at specific tasks and you do this you do that that's a manager that's not a leader a leader is supposed to a leader is responsible for two things is supposed to creating a productive and healthy culture in their team and mm -hmm. inspiring people to action. Okay, that's what a leader does. The person who decides who works on Saturday and who works on the late shift, that's a manager, that's not a leader. Um, so <clears throat> what a leader needs to do, just trying to be very pragmatic with, with you know, a, a certain use of storytelling, is a leader needs to, first of all, make sure that everybody's clear on what the, the goals are and the values are, and, and you do that by, by using stories to exemplify when those things are happening. So, you know, if the value of our team is loyalty, what does that mean? What's the example of someone doing that or not doing that? And if everyone in your team can tell a story of when they saw your values in action, then you've mm -hmm. got the right culture there. Everybody's singing from the same hymn sheet, as, the, as they say. Um, right. And if, you, if you're not doing that, then then you don't have a team that is that is set on a solid foundation you can you can do everything else but if someone from the outside comes and asks you Luis, what's really like working for gj what what kind of boss he is like and and the story you tell is not a very good one then there's a problem there so, right. so the problem of the video is those stories find out what those stories are now if they're not the ones you want work to change them and then everybody knows what they're supposed to be doing because they're all they they can all tell the same stories because they've seen it happen and and that's really your job as a leader is not you know 
run sales incentives and do big sales. Those things are important, but those are those are short-term solutions. They're not a long-term foundation. Yes. You know, there you you remind me something. Uh, um, remind me my my grandma. I'm sorry for that, but my grandma you loved to tell stories. And one of the things she she did was she she loved to speak and to tell stories about when she lived in North America and she died with 1994, I think. And uh, one of the things she did was uh, she was a great storyteller, but she listened. So she was not just bombing you with information. She she would stop and listen. What was the reaction of my grandson to to this and to that? And I think she she would change the way she was telling tell, telling the story because of my reaction. So one of the questions of, uh, of of a leader, one of the aspects of skills of a leader is to be to be also an active listener, right? To be someone that really and truthful listens. What's your view on that? Uh, as a good storyteller needs also to be a good listener. You're asking me. You're asking. <laughs> I'm asking. I'm asking the world. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I've, I think listening is one of the most important things one can do. Um, I love to talk, but I um, I, I also love to listen um, uh, and hear other people talk and and hear what they say and hope to learn from it. So listening is an uh, is is essential um, in your communication with anybody. Yeah, that's that's one of the one of the big mistakes that a lot of people uh, make when when they talk about story in business is that mm -hmm. the focus is always on storytelling. There's very little focus on story listening. And right. one right. one type of exercise that, that 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 can be done in companies is you know say the company is concerned about I don't know purpose right or engagement or or how departments are working together whatever and then you just get a whole bunch of people from from the group that you're trying to 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 improve and you put them together and you run uh what a lot of people call a story circle and you just say so mm -hmm. so these are the company's mission this is the company's mission right and these are the company's values can you just tell me a story about when you saw that value happening in the company and then people will give you stories that they, they can't give you stories or they give you stories that have nothing to do with what the company was hoping for. And then you understand that there's, they don't get the mission. They don't get right. values. Or, or they, they, you ask them, what's the leadership like? So what, when, when I talk to you about good leadership in this company, what sort of examples can you think of? And sometimes people have many, sometimes they will have very few. Uh, and, and when you get that, that, that's the real opinion of your staff and your teams. Uh, when you listen to those stories and then you, you just give them to the, to the leadership in the company and say, this is what the, your company really is like. Not, not what the survey says. Not what the yeah, exactly. We just send a bunch of surveys. These are the stories that your employees tell about you. And, and you get up to a much deeper truth when you do that. That's cool. That's a cool question. That's a really cool question. What are what are the stories that your employees tell about your company? Yeah, you wouldn't call them stories, though. You have to you have to call them something else because everybody. Yeah. Oh, I don't know yeah. any stories. Yes, tell me the tell me one time in this company that you felt exactly. really valued. That's fine. Right, oh, right, yes, right. I have. A, uh, <laughs> 
I've, I've, you guys both, you both are, you know, speak and, and are used to speak to audiences and, you know, people. Um, what's, what can, uh, you know, not every leader has that ability, not every leader has that confidence of, you know, being in front of an audience and speaking and, and telling, even though he can be a great leader, those, those skills might not be there. What can we do to improve our, um, confidence while being talking with people practice practice that's <laughs> it well there's a little bit more to it of course but it's like it's like swimming i mean you're never going to swim if you don't dive in the water um and, and if, if, if you, you you don't learn to speak to audiences if you don't climb on a stage if you don't try doing it and you mm -hmm. don't have to stand up in a in a in a in a huge hall with a uh, hundred thousand people but you can try for like three or four people, but practice, practice, practice. Know what you're going to talk about. One of my tips to people who want to speak is say, well, remember, know how much time you have to speak. If it's like um, uh, five or six minutes, then you know how many words you can almost, or you can or you can use. Right. And then cut half of it, then you have time left to interact with the audience after you've told your, your, your message. Um, but practice is one of the in my opinion, one of the most important things to do. Practice, practice, practice. Mm. I, I will I'll resist the temptation to just tell them to tell more stories. Uh, and I'll, I'll, give, I'll, I'll give you something different. So first, I completely agree on the practice. And I think what something everybody should do is join a Toastmasters club. Because that's the okay. easiest way to practice public speaking. You can speak. I mean, if you really want it now, where we're online, you could do it four or five days every week across the world um, yeah. but it's it's most in most places these are clubs that meet every week or every two weeks and it's a super supportive environment it's perhaps the only place that you can get a lot of practice in in that type of environment for little or no money okay so that's yeah. something everybody i think should yeah. join the toastmasters club uh, the second thing is that nervousness about speaking in public often comes from a from a misunderstanding that we care about you. We don't. We care about what you're going to give us, what you're going to do for us, the audience. So, so say, for example, you were a scientist and you've just found out the cure for the coronavirus, right? I don't care how nervous you are. If I put you in front of 500 people, you're going to tell us about it because the message is important. And that's the problem. A lot of people are concerned about how am I going to look Am I going to stutter? Am I going to look like I don't know what I'm talking about? No, no. Is your message strong enough? And do you care about it? Is it an important message to share? Then share it. No one is going to care how, ba how bad you look because they don't sure. care to see how good a speaker you are. They're there to be entertained, informed, inspired, changed. So focus more on the message and what you're giving your audience and, and less about how are you going to while doing it. yeah I, when i when i speak with uh, i clearly remember talking about this with with um, with a colleague that i had and it was a she and she was she, she she was always telling me i think everyone is just waiting uh, for me to fail and i think okay so out of the you know 50 people that you are there you are completely focused on the one person that probably but i don't think so really wants you to fail because normally we don't want to see anyone fail and, and, and be, you know, uh, no, 
right? We want people to succeed by 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 norm, but we tend to focus on really the shitty things that can happen. <laughs> but Luis, I have a I have a I have a comparison that I think it works normally yeah. works very well, but it works terribly for you. Is uh, and GJ might might help me with this one. But you know when you like go get a haircut, which I'm sorry, Luis, you might not have. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Get a haircut, and it's not a great haircut. And you come back, and you're like, "I this hasn't really worked." I, and you you're kind of upset, and you're trying to fix it. And then you speak to your friends or your wife. No one says anything. And you're like, Is, "Did you notice my hair? Yeah, it's fine. It just looks the same." Yeah. As well. right. it, it, that's what happens. You're speaking in public, and you're thinking, "Oh, I'm stuttering. I didn't say this. I didn't say that. Oh, I'm I, you know I I'm f doing something funny with my whatever." No one is paying attention. No one. All right. Yeah, true, true. Cool, guys. We have around you know ten minutes, eleven minutes uh, left, but and I have a couple of questions here. I have one okay. from Sergio. Hi, Sergio. How are you, my friend? Sergio asks, "Do you still get nervous before talking in public?" No. Ah. Well, there's a, there's a little there's a little tension, but I um, okay. Um, it's not that I really am, am really nervous. I, I'm most, I, I just know my stuff. I know um, the audience. I know what I'm going to talk about. So there is this, this, this normal tension. Um, but I'm not really... I know people that actually throw up every time they have to climb on stage. I know comedians that, that, that use the bathroom my 30 God. seconds before they have to go on stage. I just say, just pull up the curtains. Give me the stage. Um, but it's, it's adrenaline. It's but it's not really nervousness. Yeah, and, and that's okay. what I was gonna say. It's excitement and nervousness feel very similar. Yeah. So you know, I I have been doing this for a very long time, and I practice all my speeches to death. You know, I'll practice four hours for a ten-minute speech, right? Um, so there's no question about me not knowing what I'm doing, um, about how the audience is going to think. I mean, none of that stuff is valid. But I get, I sometimes get, my hands get a bit wet, uh, sweaty. Um, my yeah. back feels a bit funny. So th that's just, as, as GJ says, it's adrenaline. But yeah. if the story in your head is that I am nervous, you're going to think, oh, this is terrible. I'm nervous. Look at me. I'm... No, it's just excitement because you're right. about right. something you care about. You know, if I'm in a if I'm in a work meeting and someone says, "Can you just you know get up here and explain like something very basic?" There is no excitement, so I just yeah sure you get up and you speak. But right. if someone says, "Can you get up here and explain this thing in front of a thousand people?" I'm gonna get excited. But yeah, you know, you know, I, I I have the same the same feeling, and I'm not definitely not a, a professional speaker, but. I love to be on a stage and just to get the message and see the reactions of people. One of the yeah. things I really love to do was to do the, you know, surprise my teams with um, cool stuff. Uh, you know, not the dull presentation. I remember my last, uh, my last uh, kickoff meeting uh, in, in my previous company. I did a doodle, you know, that doodle, and I right. talked on top of the doodle. So I did a three minutes where the doodle was talking about the whole year of the company, our achievements, and I was talking and giving it the emotional, the emotional touch. It was not recorded; it was live. And at the end, I was just seeing people just—that's exactly it. You just told the story through doodling, 
and talking about that. And that really made my day because I felt, yes, I've practiced. I had my 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 lines, but the reaction of that, of the people when we, we, when we get there is simply incredible. Mm. I, had, I have here also another question. Sergio, once again, he asks us, can you tell us an embarrassing story of an episode when we were talking in public? Well, I, I, <laughs> no. I, I have one, but it's, it's, not, go ahead, go ahead. It's, not, it's not quite talking in public. I'm not sure it's, it's going to work for Sergio, but I'll try. Um, so what is the name of that super famous uh, Portuguese poet? Like the, the, the main Portuguese, like he's been dead many years, but what's the name Pessoa? of the... Pessoa? Yes, uh, Fernando Pessoa. Um, yeah. So I, I think this is from him, right? So when I was 17 and I, I, I had this girlfriend and I was, uh, I was very romantic. You know, I used to write poetry and nonsense like that, right? Because I thought women liked that stuff. I thought that's what they wanted. Luis de Camões, that's it. Thank oh, you. Luis de Camões. Thanks, Ana. So, so, so I had this girlfriend. We had only been going out for two or three months. And I thought she was at, at, on the beach with her friends. And then I showed up. Um, stop sending poet names. It's either Fernando Pessoa or Luis de Camões. <laughs> stop it. It's one of those. So, so, so she was in the, on the beach with her friends. And I called her and said, I'm coming over. I have a surprise for you. And I came over. And I thought it was a brilliant idea to have a T-shirt printed with a picture of her and beneath okay. the picture there was the line i'm going to do this in portuguese for our portuguese audience it was uh, que não seja imortal posto que é chama mas que seja infinito enquanto dure which in english is that you know love shouldn't last forever because it's like fire but it should be infinite while it lasts i can't remember if this is Luis de Camões or Fernando Pessoa yeah, yeah. i had this underneath her picture and i showed up to a house full of her female friends these are 17 year old girls and i have this thing and i think i'm the most romantic guy in the world <laughs> up to, to tell her how much i love her uh, with that t-shirt and that poem um, so so yeah that 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 didn't go well that wasn't my best uh, public speaking experience i must admit <laughs> what about you dj well as a comic um, as a comic i'm quite sure you have some embarrassing moments yes and, and and the thing is you have this you have a set and one time it works and one time it doesn't work and you just can't figure right. out why so okay. you're on stage and then you and you you're all fired up because um um i get a little more nervous or more adrenaline on, on stand-up um, but you're really enthusiastic. You want to hear. You want to hear the audience laugh. And if nothing, I mean, really, nothing happens, then five minutes or six minutes are very, very long. I can't imagine. No, I can't imagine because that that has to be the worst nightmare of a comedian, right? It happens to anyone, and it happens. And you can't always tell when it happens. And then you have all these people that are clapping your shoulder and um, 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 and try to cheer you up. And exactly, you're dying. That's what that's what they, it's called dying on stage. Um, <laughs> that's, that's how it feels. But then again, you climb back on again and you do it again, and 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 it's part of the job. Yeah. In fact, if if you love the message that you're, uh, you know, that you are going to tell across, that you want to share. Uh, if you know the message and if you love it, it makes it much easier. Because people tend people tend to to um, to 
memorize, you know, memorize, you know, in, in a presentation, for example. And memorizing a presentation is never a good option <laughs> because we can clearly see that you've memorized it. You, you are not speaking about it. But yes, yes and no. So, so I think there's there's a couple of things there when it comes to presenting. The first mm -hmm. one is that if it's an important enough presentation, there is no question that you should know it back to front. And the right. way you know that you know a presentation enough is that you can do it while you do something else. Like you can do it while you do the dishes. You can do it while you're in the shower. You can That's do it. That's a cool tip. That's um, a really cool but, tip. But where a lot of people get this wrong is you're not one. You shouldn't know it word for word because that's not that you don't need that level of memorization. And two, yep. you should memorize an oral presentation and then write it down. Uh, sorry, you should write down an oral presentation instead of writing the presentation and then trying to memorize it because uh, if you. Correct. If you if you know it, you're telling it, and, and then you record it. You're recording something that sounds like you speak, whereas yeah. a lot of people do, and it's just common. I used to do this for years. Is you write it out because you think you're a good writer, but then when you start trying to do it, you have to keep changing it all the time because you don't talk like mm -hmm. you write. Yeah. Right. Uh, what's your process of of writing, guys? What what's how do you do it? You just take a piece of paper and you start writing. Yeah, well, it depends on the subject, but if it's uh, like uh, if for my, my writing on the, the weekly clip I do, um, uh, I start writing on Tuesday um, and then I'll, um, um, as long as, until I have like 300, 350 words or maybe 400, um, and then I'll put it in a, um, 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 uh, on my teleprompter and I start reading it and then I start just fine tuning it because there's some words you can't say after each other. So, um, but I, I wanted. I, I, I cannot say it and record it with a mistake in it. My the, the clip I did a week before this week, I pray, I did it forty times. It's like two minutes without a mistake. Bravo! Times. See, I I so my approach is completely the opposite. Now again, we, we, there's many different things we can say. What's your writing process? But most of the videos that I put on LinkedIn, for example, mm -hmm. are, are are stories. So it's a one one and a half minutes to two minutes story with yeah. a takeaway. And my process is very simple now. My process is just this: I, I I think of a story, I figure out what point I'm trying to make, and then I just turn the clock on and tell it. Okay, fine. That's too long. No, cut some this, cut that. Okay, and I tell it, and, yeah. I tell it, and I tell it, and I tell it. I'll probably have to tell it three or four times at least. And then when the time is more or less right, I turn the camera on, I tell it, and unless I screwed up completely, that's it. All my videos are one take, no editing, nothing. Um, okay. But again, it's it's because I'm telling a story. It's very right. different if I was just trying to explain something. Uh, right. So, but it's. But the, the process that I tend to follow is there's this line that is a common one in the story world, which is uh, don't don't tell a story without a point and don't make a point without a story. Uh -huh. So the process is usually what do I want to share or what am I trying to talk about? Okay, what story matches that? Or, or what stories have I got? What points can I talk about? Uh, let me just answer a question. I, I got a, there's a question there from Katarina saying, marry <laughs> her. Um, yes. Uh, that's, that's she dumped me not very long after that. Okay. For a 
parted for many, many years. And then when we met again, I started not being romantic, not writing any poetry, being a bit of an asshole. Um, and that seemed to do the trick. We've no, known. She's definitely loving this, 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 this interview. <laughs> she's heard me so many times via, via, via dick. That I don't think. I... Guys, we, we, we are running out of time, but uh, in the last five minutes, uh, I would like to ask you to share with, with us, um, you know, books or talks or things that have inspired you um, and, and, and somehow also to share about that and, and see in what way can that also inspire anyone? Okay, well, start? Um, um, I was a little prepared on this question, so um, um, and I had to um, um, remember um, a dark period in my life, like 20 mm -hmm. years ago, somebody gave me, a, he said, well, maybe you don't believe in God, or if you do believe in God, doesn't matter, but I'd like to recommend you this book. It's this book. It's, God. In, it's it's by Neil Donald Walsh. Do you have it too? No, no, no. It's, it's, a, it's like a, it's a, it's a, a, a conversation with God. Mm. Um, and the, the essence of the book is somebody's in real trouble, and he starts writing the source of all his shit, God, and God <laughs> starts to talk back to him. Um, okay. The essence of the book is that whatever is a God or not, he's inside you, and it inspired me a great deal. I, I took it out of my shelf this uh, this uh, afternoon, and I started reading in it again. And it has the same effect on me as it had 20 years ago. Um, mm -hmm. So this is one book that I would recommend. Neil Donald Walsh, Conversation with God, an unusual dialogue. I'll, I, will I will then post, post a small clip about, about this, because that really has had a good impact on my on my videos, because people tend to absorb and to understand. Uh, get more information about what inspired other people. Francisco, mm -hmm. so the, what about you? I'll, I'll suggest two books. Um, so okay. the one book is for anyone who has any interest in storytelling and, and in the very good read, there's a book called Stories That Stick from Kendra Hall, which is a massive bestseller now, and, and it's genuinely a pleasure to read. And this is the mark of to know someone is a good storyteller or not. If they do a book on storytelling and you're not super into it, right? Then it's you know they, they, they don't know what they're talking about. So this is incredible, very useful, and uh, and it's it's great. I mean, she's an amazing storyteller. The the other book is something I just read. I finished it a few days ago, and it's a book that's it's actually been very popular. It's called Born a Crime, from mm -hmm. Trevor Noah. So Trevor Noah is this comedian, and he now wrote, uh, hosts the the Daily Show. Daily Show. And it's his. It's a, it's a book. It's a memoir, and it's short stories of him growing up in South Africa right after the apartheid. Right. It's incredible in 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 the type of things that he lived, but it's also incredible in in how funny it is. You know, he's a massively funny guy, and and his stories yeah. about how in his school he was the fastest kid because his mom was always running after him to kick his ass. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and he says his mom was this super like strict parent that he came to discipline and he says this is the type of person my mom was she would throw a vase at me but if it broke it was my fault and she <laughs> I asked for it so when she threw stuff at me I would have to think um, is I need to catch it valuable? yes is it likely to break yes grab it put it down keep running <laughs> cool 
Guys, uh, thank you, thank you, really, thank you so much for having spent this this last hour with me. Uh, I know you are one hour uh, one hour ahead, so uh, thank you yes. for for that. I am, and um, well, the video will be will be published on on all the platforms, and and I do appreciate. It. I've had massive, you know, laughs and and good value out of this cool conversation. So really, thank you so much for having spent this time and for the generosity. And really we will nice continue to, to see each other online. And I hope so, one day also physically on yeah. those. Anytime. Guys, thank you. Thank you, Francisco. Good night. Have a sleep well. Thank, thank you, you guys. Thank you. Thank you so much.